Hey everyone, I'm your host and soul sister, Gretchen North. I'm a veteran health and wellness professional turned life coach. Sticky Situation is about getting unstuck so that we can get on living the lives we are meant to live. We'll share stories and advice, hear from experts, and even do some guest coaching to be reminded of living today with more awareness and inspiration, all in the spirit of creating a more fulfilling tomorrow. To get in touch, find me at gonorthcoaching.com. Let's get going. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me again. I am so excited to introduce you to one of my friends and yoga instructors, Maggie Borza Petrie. She's a 500-hour experienced registered yoga teacher and teacher trainer at Yoga Ohm, but I know her through a community class in my hometown. Thank you so much for joining me today, Maggie. I'm so excited to have you here. Well, thank you for having me, Gretchen. It's my honor, really, to be here. Yeah, thank you. So I started taking your classes. I was looking at this about five or six years ago, I think. And what absolutely astounded me was the quality of instruction that I was receiving in this like multi-level drop-in community-based class. And I think you just approach that room with such grace and ease. It takes a certain kind of special instructor to be able to teach to all levels like that. Wow. Well, thank you very much for the compliment. I really appreciate that. You know, it's definitely a challenge, but I think probably one of the most important things to do as a teacher is to remove your own agenda you know, meet people where they are, just sort of open yourself as far as the asana part of the practice goes, the physical postures. Um, Everyone's at, you know, in a different space and in a different space every day. So I think if you are steadfast in that, you remove your own agenda and what you expect and you just let the practice sort of happen organically. And you really need to watch, watch your students and and feel the information they're providing or or recognize the information they're trying to provide based on their movements and their breathing and um you know how they approach the class yeah i think that your class always has you know this lovely balance of like being lighthearted and fun but also inspiring and welcoming and sometimes challenging and i know for me i try to maintain um, an open mind, even though I've had a practice for a long time. And the idea of a beginner's mind came to me. And I'm, I'm curious if um, you want to talk about like what a beginner's mind is. I guess it's different for everyone. I think one of the misconceptions about, you know, the first time you step on your mat is that I'm not good enough. I'm not flexible enough or I'm not in shape. You know, there are a myriad of, of excuses that that we can bring about. Um, but I think the most important, as you already said, is that you approach it with a beginner's mind, even if you've been practicing for a long time. And a long time for some people might be five years, it might be 25 years, but 
I think to always approach your map and your practice with integrity and a, a sense of being humble mm -hmm. because when we go in it's kind of the glass half full half empty if our if our glass is more full then we don't have room to put things in it <laughs> so i think the glass half empty and when you're approaching your practice is an important element to think about because then we have more space to make for ourselves and then in turn more space to make for others so you talked about a couple of misconceptions about yoga, and I just want to back up for a second. If you're talking to somebody for the very first time, maybe from another planet, and you were faced with describing yoga to somebody who had never heard of it, what would you say? It's sometimes a really challenging conversation to have. There's so many layers of the yoga practice, and here in in our world, in the Western world, obviously, we talk about the asana part of the practice, which is the physical postures that that we use. Um, and, you know, and I think some people come to yoga wanting a workout or wanting to get exercise or wanting to lose weight or whatever it is brings them to the mat. There's something else that keeps them coming back, and it might not necessarily be the postures or the getting fit or the losing weight but you know something I have a friend who says yoga is insidious so something keeps them coming back through all of the asanas one of the limbs we say the eight limbs of yoga asana is one of the limbs I think that that is sort of our western approach to getting to know some of the other limbs like you know quieting our mind and the breath work that we do uh, the meditation, you know, the asana postures were originally used to make meditation more comfortable mm -hmm. so that um, the, the sages could sit comfortably in their bodies and, and meditate for hours and to bring silence into their world. Realizing um, whether it's the, the patterns of our body, the patterns of our breath, patterns that our mind um, get we kind of get in those loops where our mind holds us back from enjoying things, um, and yoga is the practice that helps us remove those loops. I have a teacher that asks, um, "Can you live with that person in your head?" <laughs> and, and I think yoga sort of gives us the opportunity to approach that person in our head and and try to sort things out. Right. So there's so many benefits and it, it's kind of tricky. Like if somebody doesn't realize that there are eight limbs of yoga and that the physical practice is just one of them, they come and they're starting to benefit in other ways and that keeps them returning. But what about the person who might go into a super challenging class? It might, might be a, a heated room, a super physical practice, and they're put off by that and that was their only experience ever with yoga what would you say to them and meeting them where they are is really important so um you know i start off with i try to be light about it you know you made it to your mat that's the first that's the hardest part walking through the door doing something that you don't know or taking a chance be uncomfortable because maybe if you've never tried it before it's uncomfortable. Anything is uncomfortable when we don't know what it is. 
So um, I try to keep it light. And I usually say, when you buy a new pair of sneakers, you don't go out and run a marathon. <laughs> you, um, you know, you train, you start walking, you start moving into that trot or into that run or into that jog. And then eventually, you know, you start, you keep training and you learn about yourself. You learn about your stride. It's the same thing in yoga. It's an opportunity to release your inhibitions and get to know yourself. Mm-hmm. And um, because we take ourselves so seriously all the time, I do try to lighten things up in class. I think we need to, you know, be kind through humor, you know, and sometimes that's what it takes to get a new student to believe in themselves and try it out. Mm-hmm. So you've talked about the benefits of, you know, getting getting to know yourself better, being able to live with the voices in your mind, the physical benefits. What, what else would you say are good reasons to maybe adopt a practice? I think a lot of people step onto their mats because of maybe a situation in their lives that they're having a hard time with. So they're looking for something new to escape. Yoga, you know, maybe whether it's yoga or um, hopping on the treadmill or going to the gym or taking a walk in nature, being able to tell yourself that it's okay to look at what we don't know. What other benefits might one expect if they were to join uh, an eight-week session? Well, I think... um, you know, that's a great idea, too, when you're first starting out is to go to a studio that really takes their time um, in their approach. So doing a five or seven week um, new student intro or intro to yoga practice gives you confidence. Mm-hmm. It gives you sort of the wherewithal to know that we're all in the same boat. So you have a group of new people, all new to yoga. It makes you feel like you're far, part of a community, that you're all there for a reason, whatever it is. No one needs to know, but everyone has a purpose for being there. When you have a beginner program, like a five-week session, you look forward to that every week, and then you build these bonds with people that are also maybe struggling with something in their life or Um, Maybe just struggling with, wow, this thing called yoga is all about putting your feet behind your head. I am (laughs) never going to be able to do that. (laughs) And then when they get to the beginner class, they say, oh, it's really not about that. So go to a studio, find a studio that speaks to you. And the benefits will kind of reveal themselves (laughs) as you move through the practice. Yeah, I think it's interesting because you're bringing up such great points that If you're brand new, it's a great idea to take a beginner session because it's a starting point where you are part of a community of people who are in the same boat, like you said, and that people are coming for different reasons. So the benefits are going to be as unique as the people who are there. I know when I first started um, practicing, my husband and I used to go to the community college and we had a really nice teacher who I think was in retrospect was maybe relatively new to teaching, but she really had some poignant things to say or to teach that kept us going back. Um, And then of course we would talk about our practice and how exciting it was that we found this new thing that we could do together. Um, And it was a, a new exciting thing. And then from that point on, we just kept going. So, um, I think 
as a teacher, the responsibility for new students is to give them a safe environment to practice in. The benefits are boundless. So depending on who is teaching, the benefits could vary based on their approach to the instruction. Sure. Everything from breath work and, mm-hmm. you know, anatomy, um, increasing your lung capacity. Try not to inundate people with, it will do this for you. It will do that for you because it might not, it might not be the same for everyone. So I try to share personal experiences and say, this is how it helped me. From time to time, you'll share a reading or a quote or something inspirational. And I'm, I'm curious about your own um, like sources for inspiration and maybe if you have a spiritual practice, like what that entails. I don't have any magic recipe for sure um, about inspiration, but you know, I found it, maybe it sounds cliche, but I find it all around me every day um, from my husband to my dogs, to uh, my students, or I should say these students that come to my classes. Um, they inspire me every day, whether it's um, a conversation that we're having before we begin and those kinds of things motivate me to keep learning and to keep bringing any information that I happen to remember or find to the students that come to class. Workshops are inspiring. Uh, Sometimes they're also intimidating because after a workshop, sometimes I think, wow, I don't know anything. Mm -hmm. Do I deserve to be up here um, proclaiming that I'm a yoga teacher? You know, it is very humbling to experience a a workshop or something with an advanced or a a teacher that um, has been dedicated and practicing for many, many more years than I have. Mm -hmm. But it also keeps me motivated and keeps me coming back for more. So there aren't specific authors or texts or sources that if you're seeking, you rely upon? Well, you know, in, um, in our teacher training, um, where we, we train students to be teachers, um, we cover a lot of things. We cover anatomy, we cover philosophy. So it's the philosophy sections um, that I find really challenging because there are or can be many interpretations of um, what we call the sutras, which are kind of like the, the ways to live your life. The sutras um, are one of those things for me that help to inspire me. One of the books that we, I love is uh, called The Secret Power of Yoga by Nishala Joy Devi. And she takes a very dare I say, feminine approach or um, positive approach, let's put it that way, to, um, to the sutras. So be nice, don't steal, don't cheat, don't lie, <laughs> right? All those things, instead of saying don't, she mm-hmm. says, you know, be kind, mm-hmm. um, be generous, you know, be forgiving. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes I find those things in other books that I read. One of my favorites, still related to yoga, but reads like a novel, is called How Yoga Works. I go back to it and reference it a lot. And it's really about um, the life of a woman who was imprisoned and how does she find contentment in that space? So uh, back to, you know, 
can you live with that person in your head? <laughs> um, Paula Coelho is one of my favorite authors. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, and I just recently, um, sort of still leafing through the Book of Joy, a conversation between the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu. Yeah, it's really lovely about how they come from different backgrounds, but are so unified in their thought processing. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. I know people are always interested in what brings inspiration to others, or maybe they'll, you know, pick up one of the books that you're referencing. So Maggie, do you have any sort of daily ritual or routine that contributes to your, your peace and your joyful outlook on life? Well, thank you, first of all, for thinking that I have such a joyful outlook on life. I really, I try to, um, life is challenging and we need to, uh, a lot of times just recognize the challenges and sit with them for a while. But, um, you know, then what do we do? How do we move on from there? One of the things that really works for me is whether it's a moving meditation or breath work, I do mindful breathing every day, at least twice a day. And by mindful, I mean, maybe you're looking at the texture of your breath, you're counting the depth or the length of your inhales and your exhales. You're just sitting and breathing because we don't always take time to do that. I think in our culture, we are go, 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 always trying to get ahead. And really to sit in that silence and be with yourself for even a short period of time, whether it's early in the morning or right before you go to bed is really important. Walking with my dogs and my husband, we do that two or three times a day that to me is a meditation. You know, it doesn't have to be up in the hills uh, all by yourself <laughs> um, on a mountain with no one around for a year. It can be something really simple like ironing or walking your dogs or cooking a delicious meal with love and everything you put in it is a ritual. Make that part of your spirituality. Make it part of your daily living to do everything with kindness, with compassion. We're so used to multitasking and doing mm -hmm. everything with vigor. So giving yourself daily space and grace. That is a lovely way to put it. So many people, I feel especially since the pandemic, are still searching for meaning in their life or searching for more fulfillment. Do you have any guidance that might help someone who is on that search? I think if you can surround yourself with people that are honest and encouraging and supportive and nourishing, your environment that you place yourself in is one that doesn't take away but helps to influence you or keep you creative or ask those questions about yourselves, the, the people that give us the feedback that is honest. I love this answer so much. So it's ensuring that people have a supportive community add to and not take from their lives and encourage them and be a mirror for them so that they basically feel free to explore what it might feel like to be fulfilled and to explore themselves what fills you up if you're surrounding yourself with toxicity whether it's a situation or a person or a group of people then to be able to 
fill that empty cup is really challenging because we get pressed down, pressed down, and to the point where we don't feel like we have a voice or we don't feel like we have a purpose. And to surround ourselves with love and caring people that nurture whatever it is that's going on inside, it's inside. It's not necessarily a, a always have to be a good thing, but to be able to express ourselves is really important whether it's through dance or writing or cooking people that help to feed you are the people that will keep you grounded i just want to underscore that people have choices you know every step of the way people have choices and sometimes it's it's difficult to look at that scenario and realize that there are options within a certain relationship or even family members that that bring us down that we still have choices in terms of who we're spending time with or associating with it's the awareness that it's no longer serving us and the courage to act on those choices exactly I think, um, you know, it's not always easy to sit at the same table. Again, how do we meet people where they are? Can we find a happy medium? It's not easy. Um, can we agree to disagree? Can we find equanimity with mm -hmm. people that we dis disagree with? But if we can have an open conversation, we need to have them. If we can't have them on solid ground, then we need to move on. Mm. And it is absolutely easier said than done, because if it's a family member, you're you know, you're in this family and it, it may be a struggle. Maybe we just need to approach things with more love and more thought and more focus and a, a quieter voice so that we can listen to other people and really hear what they're saying before we respond. And I'm wondering, like, what you're super passionate about. I, I find passion in a lot of things. I love the outdoors. I love to spend time on the water. Um, canoeing or kayaking. I love to um, spend time with family. And again, all these things seem like, oh, come on, you can't be that happy with all that stuff, but you make your own happiness. And if you're passionate about passion and love, then everything else sort of falls into place. And that's been a theme as we've been talking today. You know, you, you say that you find inspiration all around you. You have mentioned love as the approach and answer for lots of different things and so when you say wait i'm i'm passionate about having you know a zest for life and appreciating what i have and what's in my immediate environment then that sounds like peace to me you know a lot of times we we search for something special and we can find beauty in the mundane. We can find beauty in things that are really simple. It's not always about more and bigger and better. I think it's about the little things and holding space for ourselves. Like I said, you know, maybe a meditation practice, maybe just sitting and watching, you know, the sunrise or set that gives us the opportunity to make space for other people, to invite them in, to listen to them to share your passions, whatever they are. And then everything thing is exciting. It doesn't have to be explosive, but something really simple, sitting by the fireplace with a beer <laughs> and watching your dogs run around the backyard. And thanks for not making people who like to enjoy a beer think that they can't also do yoga. Oh yeah. Bourbon is big on the list too. So. 
before I let you go, Maggie, if people are interested in, I don't know, maybe training with you or, or learning more about you, where can they find information? I don't have a website, but you can find me at yogahome.com, Y-O-G-A-H apostrophe O-M. That's awesome. So I spend a lot of time in Louisiana. My father has lived there um, since actually the 70s. And there is something called Lanyap there. <laughs> and it means a little something extra, like Louisiana Lanyap. But I'm just wondering if you're interested in maybe singing a little mantra or something that connects back to what we've spoken about today. It's definitely a, a challenge for me to put my voice out there, but one of my favorite mantras, I'll say it for you first, it's loka, which is our dog's name, L-O-K-A-H, loka samasta sukino bhavantu, which in Sanskrit loosely translates to may all beings everywhere be happy and free. And I think in the times we're in now, that is a really important message um, to send out there mentally uh, together, you know, as a mantra. Loka samasta sukino bhavantu. Loka samasta sukino bhavantu. Loka samasta sukino bhavantu. Oh. I have goosebumps. It's so beautiful. I only asked because sometimes you wrap up our classes. Yeah. So thank you so much for sharing your voice, um, both through the interview and in that vulnerable way through song. I so appreciate you, Maggie. Thank you so much for joining me. Gretchen, thank you. It's really been um, my honor to be here. I really appreciate um, that you're doing this. So that's a wrap. If you have suggestions for future topics or would like to work through a sticky situation of your own, shoot me an old school email at gonorthcoaching at gmail or check out my other offerings at gonorthcoaching.com. If you're listening, chances are we know each other and I'm so grateful for your support. Please help me spread the word by sharing, liking, rating, subscribing. Any and all of the things are so appreciated. See you next time.